0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation.
1: The talent in my life was cultivated on top of the creativity, but I I think we all do have like a base level of creativity. I mean, even... The way that you form a sentence is slightly different than how your sister or your brother or your your parent does it. The way that you used to take notes in class is slightly different than the person next to you. Like That's you putting your own original ideas and spin on things.
0: Welcome to The Real Reel, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello everybody. I am going to keep this intro short because I'm in Dallas, Texas and I forgot my microphone. So the audio quality you're hearing is not great, but I promise you it's going to be good on the podcast. So we're keeping this intro short and sweet. On today's episode, I am so excited for this guest because she is incredible and I am so happy to have her on the pod. I kind of like was freaking out when I booked her for the podcast because so many of you are such a huge fan of her, and she's one of the most inspiring people I've met. So today we have on Morgan Harper Nichols. She is an inspirational artist and poet whose work you've seen on social media, I'm sure that you've seen it, and on the shelves of Target, Starbucks, Anthropology, Athleta, Aerie, Barnes & Noble, and TJ Maxx. Can you imagine having those stores on your resume? Like casual, I've designed for all of these popular stores, no big deal her career path began as a college admission counselor, and then as a full-time touring singer, songwriter, and musician. We love a multifaceted woman. These two parts of her journey led to a very honest, relatable poem about comparison and failure that ended up with over 100,000 shares online, and thus her journey began on social media. And for the first time, Morgan didn't feel the pressure to make her creativity a brand. She just kept on exploring her curiosity and passion for writing, art, and design, and slowly began to share her work online. She's the author of four books, the host of her own podcast, and also the creator of the Storyteller app. And I am so excited to have her on. In today's episode, we dive into how to detach from shame when comparing to others and dig into why you're comparing in the first place, which is something I needed to hear, ways to create community as an introvert, the importance of letting go of the expectations of followers and the attachment to them, and a few online life hacks to help determine which content to share. I know you're going to love this episode, so please welcome Morgan Harper Nichols and Better Quality Audio. Hello, Morgan Harper Nichols. I love saying the three names at once. I feel like I can't just say like Morgan, it has to be Morgan Harper Nichols. I'm so excited to have you on.
1: Well. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's an honor to be here. And, and yeah, you can call me any of the three names or just pick one. Doesn't matter to me. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <Perfect>. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm very excited to dive into, you know, your story and like how you got started and really pick your brain on creativity as well. But before we do that, I'm going to start with setting the record straight. So this is where I say some assumptions, some stereotypes, and then you'll let me know if they're true or false. So yeah. get right into it. So the first one is that structure and creativity do not go together.
1: They go together (laughs) in their own mysterious kind of way. But I yeah, I do believe that they go together. But I think the trick is, is that when things are working, sometimes you can't identify that structure in real time. Like sometimes it takes looking back and say, oh, wow. I was kind of in a pattern or flow or rhythm. So I think that that's the catch is like while I'm in it at times, even I can sometimes feel very disjointed in my creative process, but then I'll have someone else say like, oh, wow, I love that collection that you put out. I'm like, that was a collection. I didn't even see it that way. So yeah, I do think it takes some time to sometimes see the structure, but it's there.
0: Yeah. I feel like structure sometimes gets a bad rep. Like it's like, oh, I don't want structure. Mm -hmm. I want like to be, you know, a free spirit and do whatever I want and like not be tied down to anything, but I feel like a lot of times with structure it gives you a lot of freedom because then you yeah. actually know what's working, you have a routine, you have a flow and it actually sometimes can produce the best work. Yeah. So Yeah.
1: I do think absolutely. sometimes
0: it gets a negative rap when it shouldn't.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: The next one is that social media can disrupt creativity.
1: Mm. I feel like it's it, it can actually help with creativity, if you're very intentional about it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know, this might be weird for some people, but I try before I open any social media app. I'm like, what is my intention with opening this app right now? Am I looking for inspiration? Am I just looking to be entertained? Am I bored? And the more clear that answer is, the more I can get out of being on social media. But if I just kind of mindlessly just log on and click around and just let all these things just come my way, then that can at times lend towards not being very productive and not even just productive in a sense of like work, but just like, oh, I don't even know what happened to that past hour, you know, or now I'm upset or feeling bad about myself. So I do try to be very strategic about like why I'm even logging on. Um, but then beyond logging on, when you are able to find your Community and your people, that makes it special and worth it. And, you know, Mm -hmm. as someone who grew up being a homeschooled kid who didn't fit in with a lot of people, who also, as I was growing up, was also in a lot of spaces where I was a minority, like I really value community and I really value being able to find people like me. And I think in that way, social media can be very positive and very encouraging to make it something good, something mm-hmm. good. So yeah, it's kind of a long answer. Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> no, I love it. And I mean, I like what you said about what is your intention coming on here and opening this app? Because I feel like mm-hmm. it's sometimes when you read a book and you'll just read, but you have no idea what you just read. You know, you're like, wait, yeah,
1: yeah, what? Did mm-hmm. I just
0: read five pages? Like I have no idea yeah. what was said.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking about when you were saying, I just got so excited when you said that about the book, because Even with books though, it's like, at least there's like an overall theme and then it's like, but, and that can still happen. So imagine with social media where it's just like all these little snippets and they're not even connected to each other. So it's like, you watch one thing, you read one thing, and then you scroll to the next thing and it's totally different. So yeah, it can get real busy real fast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. It actually reminded me. So the other weekend I was with some friends and i was with my boyfriend and they were watching a movie and i'm not the biggest movie person so i like well, I was watching tiktok and like putting on my headphones like watching <laughs> tiktok while i was sitting with them and the next day they were like so like name one tiktok you watched last night like just one that you watched yeah. and i was like i literally cannot even tell you like what i watched last night and they're like but well, we can tell you the plot of the movie we watched and i was like oh my goodness honestly <laughs> that's such a good point like it's kind of embarrassing yeah. <laughs> like,
1: that's very interesting because I I've actually been thinking about that when it comes to social media. And I've been even trying to, you know, I'm like, if I'm going to use this, like I, it needs to be, you know, very, very clear, like why I'm using it. So I actually have been using it to like get educated. For instance, over the past week through TikTok, I learned about the Swahili clock. I had no idea that in Africa, there is a Swahili clock that's totally different than the clock that we use. And I ended up on this long rabbit hole. I'm like, oh my gosh, I never knew this. I never would have even known to search it. It's not like I could have gone to the bookstore and I would have seen a Swahili clock book right there on the front. So it's like, yeah, it's 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 interesting because it's I understand both sides of the argument, if you will. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I could tell you what happened to the movie. But it's like at the same time, though, like amidst all of the, the noise, like there are a lot of really cool, memorable things that are happening there. So, yeah, I yeah. understand both sides of it.
0: Yeah. And then the next one is that creativity is something that you are naturally born with.
1: I think a lot of times people conflate creativity with talent mm. and those are not the same thing. So the way I see like the talent in my life was cultivated on top of the creativity. But I I think we all do have like a base level of creativity. I mean, even the way that you form a sentence is slightly different than how your sister or your brother or your, your parent does it. The way that you used to take notes in class is slightly different than the person next to you. Like that's you putting your own original ideas and spin on things. And I think that it's there for all of us, but the cultivation of it so that it can become a talent or skill, that's not something that everybody has. Or or I was someone who did have, at a very young age, I had parents who encouraged me creatively. So I was able to be very aware of like, oh, I can try drawing. I can try writing stories. And I was able to cultivate it. So I do think that we all have some some base level, but it does sometimes end up taking more time to kind of tap into it, but it's still possible.
0: Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the heirs tour for like the third time, you know, the important stuff, but who actually has time for frizz? up to 450 degrees, reduces interpair split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the Leave-In Conditioner, which I also use, Detox Shampoo, Fragrances, Hair Oils, and Hair Gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. go to dot com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's dot com promo code RealReal. I love what you said that creativity doesn't mean talent because I think a lot of people are scared to be creative and to share their creativity and to express that they are a creative person if they aren't necessarily like the best at something, you know, like, oh, well. You know, I, I like to randomly like sketch and doodle, but like, I'm never going to share that. And I'm not a creative person because like, it's, it's not good. You know, it's like, or like, I just, I just do it like on the side. Like, it's not great. You know, and a lot of people like kind of suppress their creativity unless it's the best. And we live in a world where like, mm. unless you're the best at what you do, then like, you're not good enough. And I really hate that. I hate
1: it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And and I think a lot of people might even be surprised if if they were to type in my name and see all the stuff that I do, they might be like, what you feel this way? But I do. I deal with that as well. I remember when TikTok came out and I remember downloading it and thinking, like, oh, let me see what all the artists are doing on TikTok and maybe I can share some of my art here. Well. Most of the art that is popular on TikTok are people who can do like those photorealistic sketches of like, you can't even tell that it's a, a painting or a sketch. It looks like a real photograph. And that's not my art style. And it was a little bit discouraging for a moment. I'm like, wow, is there even space for me if I can't just be a technically good artists in the way that this person is. And that's something that I have to continue to to work through. And I also think that that and, you know, maybe everyone won't agree with me on this, but I think that problem is way bigger than social media. And we would still have that problem, even if we didn't have social media of of just comparing ourselves to other people and other people's skills. So. So, yeah, that's something that I I have to work through as well.
0: Yeah. And have you had moments where you're like in a state of like constant comparison and how do you like get out of those moments then because I feel like everyone compares themselves but how do you convince yourself not to or like I guess backtrack from thinking those things
1: yes oh my goodness yes I I do absolutely deal with comparison I feel like it's very hard not to to just like never deal with comparison. Maybe some people never deal with it. <laughs> and that's wonderful. Um, really. <laughs> teach, teach me your ways. But no, I deal with it. And the way that I, you know, I, and I don't do this perfectly, but I do think this is an area that I'm definitely growing in because I'm just becoming more aware of it. And, and I've learned to detach from the shame of comparison, because I think that's a big thing of like, If you feel like it's a shameful thing to, oh, I'm comparing myself to someone. For me, that would lead to start denying it. Oh, no, I'm not comparing. I'm like, no, I am comparing myself to this person. And the question next is, without judgment, why? Why am I comparing myself to this person? And a lot of times that leads me down into thinking, oh, well, it's because I'm seeing them do this thing and I haven't done that particular thing. So I feel like, well, I'm not on the right track in life because I haven't done what they've done. But then I have to think about, well, what have I done in the meantime? What have I done? While they may have been working on that, I was working on something else. And how can I see value in that? So a lot of times, one thing I, I consider, and this doesn't always work. But one thing I consider is is age. I'm like, a lot of times I'm comparing myself to people who are older than me, mm-hmm. who have just had more time. A lot of times I'm comparing myself to people who may have just had more experience in a certain area. A lot of times I'm comparing myself to someone who has a completely different personality than me. And I have to really think about it. It's like, if you really, really, truly had that opportunity, would it make you happy? Would it make mm-hmm. you feel better about yourself? Probably not. It's just something you feel like you should do because you see that it's working well for them and it probably just helps with their overall thing. But it's like, would that really make me happy to do exactly what they're doing? And the answer almost all the time is no. Exactly. (laughs) And it's like, do I really want to go through everything they went through in their life to be able to have that moment? Usually that answer is no. So yeah, asking that why question ends up helping me get to a lot of the deeper questions and and i and i have been finding a lot more relief there and and releasing the pressure from myself to you know compare myself to others. You're
0: like thinking about it from a way that's like okay, if this happened would i be happy? No. If this happened mm-hmm. would i be happy? No. It's you're not allowing yourself to even like think of yourself in that person's shoes because yeah. You're different people, you know, and you're totally yeah. different and you're seeing all the differences. And viewing that as like a strength rather than a weakness. So, I think that that's actually mm-hmm. a really good way of thinking when it, you do catch yourself comparing yourself to other people. Cause I think no matter what industry you're in, creative, business, analytical, whatever it is, you're going to compare yourself to someone else. Cause there's always someone more ahead of you or like, or mm-hmm. further along than you, or more followers, or deemed better, or has more money, or more fame. And, mm-hmm. and that's just never going to be productive. Do you find yourself mm-hmm. ever? trying to like and I don't want to use the word copy or anything but like when you are comparing do you see that like your style changes and like you start mm. kind of like imitating other people or you're really good at kind of like sticking to your own style even in the midst of comparison
1: yeah I I definitely think I have grown in this area a lot <laughs> to the point that I I don't feel that in heavily influenced by others but that only comes after failing at it really badly <laughs> Especially like, so I'm I'm in my early thirties, but the whole first part of my twenties, the first half of my twenties was spent doing that exact thing. Like, okay, here's what they did. Let me do that too. And just trying my hardest to look at people who I perceived as doing well, or, you know, I I was in the music industry for a while. So I would look at other singer songwriters. I'm like, okay, well, they're releasing these kinds of songs. This is how you know, the kind of wardrobe that they wear. This is the part of town that they live in. And just really feeling like, okay, I have to do that. But after spending so much time and energy (laughs) trying to do that, and then not even getting anywhere close to where they were, it honestly put me in a really bad place for a while. And I started to feel really terrible about myself because I was like, I know that I put in the work. I know that I gave my all. I know that I had strategy and I was strategic and I was studying and I was hanging out with the right people and I was going to the right places. I was doing all the right things. And I still did not get where I wanted to get in music. Mm-hmm. And where I wanted to get was not like, number one, I was just trying to like pay rent. Like, like I was just trying to like not have to worry constantly about like, okay, where's the next gig gonna come from? Mm-hmm. So after, you know, a few years of trying that and honestly just failing at it, or at least at that time I perceived it as a failure because I was basing it on the metrics of like their success um, and where I thought I should be. In relation to them. But then it was during that time where i I, I was honestly just left with words mm-hmm. that were how I felt about the situation. Mm-hmm. And how I felt about failing. And I ended up writing a poem about that. And at that time, I didn't really have any poetic references for the kind of poem that I wrote, like total transparency. The poem that I wrote was really just words and then a line break, words and then a line break. Like I didn't even have like, okay, I'm trying to like write this like a poet. It was really just like a journal entry that came in the form of these line breaks. And that was the poem that ended up getting repinned on Pinterest over hundred thousand times. And that launched everything that I was doing today. So it is really fascinating me. That was a pretty big wake up call of like, yeah stop trying to be like everyone else. Like you can literally just your story, you being vulnerable about this one little part of like one little part of my story about feeling like a failure that particular year. I was 26 by the time I wrote that poem and just writing about that particular thing ended up resonating with so many people. So, so yeah, I do think I've grown in that area a lot. You know, I'm not, I'm not perfect at it. Like I still find myself like getting inspired by other people or, or getting motivated to try something by other people. But, but I am a lot more aware of like, what are my motivations here? You know, am I doing this because I'm just like, oh, I love what they're doing. And I just want to be a part of it. Or am I doing it because, you know, I feel that pressure. And I, and I think I've gotten a lot, a lot better at being aware of that. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And was that your first poem that you posted or were you writing poetry for a little bit before you shared that?
1: It was my first poem in a very, very long time. So way back when forums were a thing, I was like a part of something called Young Writer Society. And I wasn't using my real name or anything. And I was posting poetry all the time. And it was just fun. Like, it was just a lot of fun. So I, I had experience with sharing online, but never like with my name on it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> never with like, this is me, Morgan, Morgan Harper Nichols, like sharing what I've gone through. And so, yeah, it was my first time kind of really putting my name to this poem that I had written that was very much so about what I was going through. So, yeah.
0: And did that experience kind of realize that your words are powerful, you can share more of your experiences, you can write more and and kind of have that be a career path? Or was it still like a hobby and a way to ex- express yourself or kind of what was your thoughts when you did release that, got over 100,000 shares? Were you like, oh, yeah. switching career paths, yeah. <laughs> pitching music, going to
1: this? Yes. Like- it was it was a little bit of both. Like I was I was feeling two things at once. I was like, okay, I'm really enjoying this. And it felt different than what I had done in music, or you know, even uh, even before music, I was an admission counselor at the college that I graduated from. Like it felt different because I was like, this is the first time where. I'm seeing that people are connecting with what I'm doing, but I don't feel very overwhelmed. I don't feel like as much pressure to try to like make it a brand. I was like, I'm just enjoying doing it. And I really, really, really enjoyed that part of it. But at the same time, rent's do. I was living in Orange County, California at the time. Rent was very expensive. And my husband and I were just, he was working a lot of different freelance jobs. And I was just trying my hardest to just like figure something out. So I was aware that like, okay, if people are commenting and reacting to this, then there probably is some way that I can financially support myself through this work. And I have literally no idea how. (laughs) So I spent all of 2017 just trying to figure that out. I didn't really know what to do in the past, I had like some Etsy stores, but I couldn't really figure out, I'm like, I don't know how to turn like these poems into something on it. I, I didn't know. Like, now I have like wall art prints and all this stuff. I was not thinking about any of that. I, I back then I was writing poetry and, and now today, my poetry is on apparel in stores. It's on coffee mugs. For whatever reason, I couldn't I couldn't compute that in that moment that that was possible. I was just like, I have to do something so that I can at least financially support this. So that was a year of just trying everything. I tried a Patreon that worked for a little while. I started doing some commission work. So I started doing a little bit of painting at, around the poems. And I had someone reach out and they're like, I'm doing this girls' retreat. And I would love if you could paint like some invitations and write like a quote on it for you know all the girls that were coming. And I was like, sure, that sounds great. They told me all the details and when they needed it. And they were like, okay, what's your rate? I was like, oh, you're paying me. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. Um didn't see that coming. So it was a lot of learning, a lot of little things like that. Like, oh, there's so many different creative ways that people are really out there and and they're like, I want to support you. I want to, I want to support an artist or right? I connect with your work in some way. And and there are not everyone you don't need everyone, but it's like there's some people out there like, yeah, I would like to financially support you and help you. So that was a year of learning that and and really kind of unlearning what I felt like I had learned in music, which was just like, OK, the goal is to get number one on the charts. The goal is to try to get on as many tours as you want and get as many and many, and many and many people as possible. But what I started learning in 2017 was like, wait, I don't actually need everybody. <laughs> like it's just like if a certain amount of people were able to financially support, you know, X amount, then that could really help me be able to pay my bills with this. So from 2017 to 2019, especially 2017, that was like me learning. And then 2018, 2019, I started to refine it even more of like, what is that thing? And then What helped us really find it, and I say us, was because in March of 2019, my husband had been working in construction and his boss was just like, I don't have work for you for I don't know how long. Don't come back to work until I call you. And we were like, okay, that's not good. Because at that time, I was, I think, about seven months pregnant. And it was really bad to just have Mm -hmm. our steady income just wiped out like that. So, it was my husband gets credit for this. He was like, if we, he was like, I forgot how many followers I had on Instagram at that time. There was nowhere near what I have today. He was like, if X amount of people are able to say buy like a print, a, a art print of the stuff that you're sharing, he was like, this would help us get X amount. He was like, this could pay for rent. This could help us get health insurance. So it was very basic things that we were after in the beginning and that is what was the catalyst to really turning this into a career was when we started selling my art prints and started selling it just through my Instagram. And yeah, so it took, it took a while. It took Mm -hmm. a while to kind of put the pieces together. It kind of like going back to what you're asking about structure. Like I can see the path now. I can see how, oh, I was refining the process. Oh, like I was refining the process as I went, but it did not feel like that in real time. It just felt like chaos, but now I feel like we're finally yeah in a groove of constantly refining that,
0: yeah, and I feel like a lot of creatives don't talk about the monetization as much because I feel like it's I don't want to say taboo, but like a little taboo mm-hmm. to talk about. It's like, no, I just love it, and I just want to create art, and that's it, yeah, like you have bills to pay, you have a family, you have you know like mm-hmm. you can't fully ignore that so have you ever felt pressure to like create art and cre- like get your inspiration going to monetize it? Or like, have you felt that conflict with each other where it's like, am I just doing this because I love it? Am I doing it for, you know, obviously to monetize yeah. or have you ever felt like, oh my God, I need to put something out or else I'm not gonna be able to pay my rent, but like I'm in a creative run Yeah, rut.
1: absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you said that because I don't think we just as a society talk about that enough about how much, Financial uncertainty or financial insecurity can really affect every aspect of your life. (laughs) It can affect how you think about your well-being. It can affect how you think about what you want to do in the world, how you're able to show up at work. We have people now who are in jobs, whether they work for themselves or whether they work for a company who are in jobs because they're like, if I leave this place, how am I going to provide for my family or how am I going to provide for myself? How am I going to pay my bills? And that to me, honestly, just being totally transparent, it makes me angry. Like, mm-hmm. it makes me angry that that's so many people's scenarios. And that's why I try to be very open about my process and, and what I've learned and I'm still learning because I'm like, yeah, when I really boil it down, a lot of my my fears were based around how am I going to live? Like, not how am I going to have like a beachfront property, yeah. you know, on the, I, I was just like, no, I'm I'm talking about my one bedroom apartment right now. <laughs> like, how am I going to survive here? So I, I think there was a, a little bit for me, it was a little bit of both of like, at the core, there was this desire to create and to, to make things for the sake of making things and for the sake of connecting with other people in a meaningful way, which is just like a huge value of mine. Um, but there was there was that that other layer of like, okay, but you gotta be a grown up, you gotta mm-hmm. be responsible. You gotta like pay taxes and do all this stuff. So it was always both, but I do think that at the core and and I'm seeing this more and more in my even even now that I've had you know some success, like i I always try to keep this. I'm like at the core, I'm somebody who is so passionate about connecting with other people through art and creativity and fostering meaningful connections through art and creativity. I love, 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 love doing that. And I will do it for free. Yeah. (laughs) Like I mentioned, I have products out there, all that, I have an app, all that kind of stuff. And even now, like this week, I spent several hours just cultivating new artwork, new messages just for my free mailing list. And just for social media, just because I love doing it. I love connecting with people. And I'm like, I do not need everybody to like be like, okay, here, you got to pay me X amount. To, I don't need that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to trust that the people who are able to financially support and want to, they're going to come. And and I'm not going to put that pressure on myself to like turn everything into a pipeline or a funnel. Those things come. But there's also that, that love of it that I have to continue to nurture and maintain. And and I am proud of myself for, for still having that.
0: You do an amazing job at community. I mean, I can like from your social media, your mailing list, your app, like I see your artwork everywhere and I see people resharing mm-hmm. it. You have like cult followers. Like I know I was actually talking. <laughs> I have an app and one of our lead designers for our app, she is like a huge fan of yours. So. Oh, wow. When I told her, I was like, oh my God, I'm interviewing her for my podcast. She was like, oh, no way. Like, she's like, I have a list of questions you should ask her. Like,
1: oh, oh well, tell her, ask away. I, I love the her, you know, in any way that I can. Oh my goodness. Well, yes, yeah. yes.
0: But you have such a strong community. And so was that something that when you started writing, you were intentional about that and you were like, okay, this is what I'm going to do from day one, or you started writing and then the community came and then you nurtured it?
1: yeah, started writing and the community came. I am not a natural community organizer. So actually what you said was just very encouraging to me. I'm like, oh, wow, I have a community. I have, I don't think I've ever planned a party a day in my life. Like if I did, I think I did. Let me rephrase that. I think I did one time. And then like my friends were all joking. They're like, this isn't a party. You just invited us to your house. I was like, yeah, (laughs) that's all I got. Sorry. I am not like a natural hostess. Like I'm not a natural organizer of groups and people. So, yeah, that wasn't some people have that gift naturally. So for them, that may come more naturally to build a community, whether it's online or in person. But for me, that's just not a skill set of mine. So for me, it was putting it out there and saying, like, I'm gonna put these things out there as signals to people who might connect with it. And then that's how I'll find community. So that's what this looks like for me. And, and that's another thing I like to share because I think especially for people who may be more introverted like me, sometimes it can be intimidating, like, how am I gonna create a community and I gonna manage all these people? And what I'll say, what I'll say to this is like, Think about that one random band or music artist that you listen to that most of your friends maybe don't know about or don't listen to. Mm-hmm. Imagine what would happen if you just started sharing your favorite lyrics from that band. You're going to attract people who are also into that. That's your community. They're going to be drawn to the fact that like you have a common interest. There's people that can do that with like just so many different interests. And I think at times like it can get a little distracting when you see other people really tapping into, you know, maybe some of the bigger interests, it's like, oh, we're all really into graphic design and and how to use Photoshop, or we're all really into this one particular style of fitness, and we're all in that kind of world. But there's so many other niches and opportunities and ways to find community. Like, I wish I could find the person, but I'm sure if you Google them, you could probably find them. And and they were sharing their story about how I think they lost their job during the pandemic and they just randomly got into dollhouses and now they're like a dollhouse influencer. (laughs) They have all these viral videos of like, and I mean, for me, the last time I had a dollhouse, I was I don't even know how old, like 10, 11. I don't even know. But I was so invested in it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's like, who would have thought of that? You can't plan that stuff out. So it's like, I remember when I started to share my poetry and my art, I was mixing poetry and art together and I was doing abstract art and like a little bit of sketches. And I didn't really know what my art style was. I was just trying stuff. And I actually lost followers in the beginning. Because it was just so random. I went from sharing music to just talking about, hey guys, here's some little doodles I did with some words yeah. on it. <laughs> and at the time, I literally remember hearing from marketers and people who were experts with Instagram in particular saying, don't post things with text. The algorithm's not gonna share it. They're not gonna share it. And I'm just like, but I'm having so much fun. I gotta do it anyway. And I did it anyway. I took the unfollowers. I took less likes. I took the algorithm saying, "No, we're not going to share this." But it didn't matter because the people who were interested in it were interested in it, and then they became fans of it, and then they wanted to share it with their friends. Mm-hmm. So I-, I love to just hopefully encourage others to to just lean into those things, like listen to your gut, like lean into those things. You're like, I'm really into this, but I don't know if other people are going to like it. No, like. Just give yourself permission to explore, be curious. You never know.
0: Well, even with what you said, like, oh, I lost followers at the time. The algorithm wasn't promoting it. So Mm -hmm. many people view that as like a benchmark of success. And like people think of it Mm -hmm. as it has to be linear. Like, oh my God, if I'm losing followers, I'm doing something wrong. And then they switch up whatever they're doing because they're losing followers for the past three months when it's like- that's fine if you lose those followers because they clearly don't resonate with you. They're not going to be your Mm -hmm. loyal supporters. They're not going to be your community. So who cares if they go, you know, like you're going to find the people that resonate with you and that like your work. Mm -hmm. And so that's what matters. But I think we have such an idea that like it has to be a linear growth and like losing followers and like not being as popular in a moment means that we're unsuccessful and it's like embarrassing. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to, art when it comes to creativity when it comes to doing what you love that stuff's naturally going to happen because Mm -hmm. it's like a roller coaster I feel like (laughs) like eventually it's exponential but it's Mm -hmm. it's like this for for a long time
1: yeah it's so true like I I feel like the concept even if followers and subscribers, it's really kind of odd when you think about it, yeah. because it kind of goes against what organically happens in community. So it's like, imagine if you opened up, you know, a cupcake shop and you have your, your you know, kind of 50 loyal customers they're regulars, they come in. And let's say one of those people... They're like, oh, I got to move back home, you know, to Australia where I'm from and I'm not going to be able to come in anymore. Like you would just be like, oh, okay, you know, I wish you the best. I, I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed the time that you were able to be a loyal customer like they still support you. They're in town. They're still there. So it's like you take those same fifty people and you put them on an Instagram account, and that one person leaves, and it's like, oh my gosh, what have I done wrong? And it's like, mm-hmm. maybe they just they're, they're just following other things right now. Like it's okay. It doesn't mean they hate you and they wish the worst on your career. I mean, of course, there are some extremes out there, but most people, it's not even it, it's not even that. So it's mm-hmm. like, I do think the fault fo- the follower thing and, and attaching our passion and our dream and our story to a, a number is really kind of (laughs) odd. And and I try to just remember like, this is weird. This is odd. This is bizarre that this is how we're kind of quantifying like our worth and our stories. So it's like, let's just remember that because it's, it's, there's so much more to us than, you know, who's following or who's unfollowing.
0: I could not agree more like that is so, so spot on. And that's what I think is the downside of social media is that now a lot of people equate it to followers and you can see what Mm -hmm. everyone else's follower count is at. So you can then compare yourself to others. It's not even like you're competing against yourself. Like, Oh no, I'm not growing. It's then wait, why is that person growing? And I'm losing like, and then it's just this like mental game. And then you don't even know what your own style is because you're constantly trying to keep up with like the trend or what's, what's popular or like trying to avoid losing followers and then you're never going to find your own style mm-hmm. and your own voice. And also, I guess like with that question, how did you find your own writing style? How did you find your own artistic style? Cause you have a very unique one. Like I feel like when people oh, see your you. work, they know it's you. Yeah. It's like, hmm. you, you can see it. Like if I saw it like on a coffee mug, like, Oh yeah, that's Morgan. You know, like, Oh, you I know what that. it is. Did that take a wow. while to come or like, did it evolve over time?
1: Yeah. It took a while to come and it took other people seeing it. I can't see it. I cannot see like people pick up patterns in my work that I do not see. So even for instance, like I have a book coming out called Pieces of Practice. And I did not actually pick the title for that book. That was my editor. It was like you did this post called Pieces of Practice. And there's this theme in your work about breathing. And I was like, you're absolutely right. (laughs) Like I did not even realize that that has happened with. My Two of my other books too, All Longer, Believe Me, How Far you Come. I did not pick those titles. I was my editor finding it in my work, finding it what I'm sharing it. So I think that there is a big difference between being a creator and being a documentarian and an editor. That's a different job. Like that's a different job. It's like, if you watch a documentary of an artist's life, like, you know, it could be, in, let's say it's a painter and it's an artist and they're painting and they're doing all this stuff. That painter did not create the documentary. It was a producer, editor, filmmaker, all these people that came in to help frame this person's story to make it a, a documentary. And I think one of the downfalls of social media is that it forces creators and storytellers to also have to be documentarians and editors of their own work. And that's just not, they're two different jobs. Like they're two different things. So... I have just like released myself from that pressure. I'm like, I can't see the, <laughs> I cannot see the themes that other people see. So, and and that's okay. That's actually a good thing because other people will see your work. They'll be inspired by it and they'll reflect your work back to you and what it means to them. I literally posted something today about breathing and I had nurses in the comments who were like, here's what this is like from a medical sense and to me that deepened the work that made it even more interesting I have no nursing experience like none zero I know nothing about that so for them to come in and see what I said and they contributed to it it's like oh they're seeing something in this that I didn't even see and it adds more value I'm like this is amazing like so I just try to encourage people I'm like just make stuff just make Mm -hmm. stuff Like, sometimes you're going to see a theme in it, but a lot of times you're not. Um, And just keep your eyes and your ears open because other people, the more you share, other people will start to see like, wow, this person is really, they use a lot of orange or they have this catchphrase that they use all the time. And you're like, I didn't even realize I said that all the time. It's like, Now you have your catchphrase. (laughs) So I'm still waiting for somebody to find my catchphrase. I don't, I want one. I don't, I don't know. So someone has been like Morgan, you say this all the time. Please let me know. I don't know what it is, but yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I, I feel like with that kind of how editing and, you know, being more of like the analytical side to see patterns and themes of your work, it's not something that creatives necessarily need to do. It's, They should focus more on creating, like you were saying. So do Mm -hmm. you view yourself, though, as like an editor to your own work? Like, are you a harsh critic? Are you like, oh, this is bad. I'm not going to post this. Or you Mm kind of just create and then let, you know, your editor or your team kind of tell you, okay, like this is going to go in the book or this is going to go on social. Like,
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's such a great question. I try my hardest not to be the editor, not to be in the editorial of my own work, because I am my harshest critic. And if it were just up to me, (laughs) like I would just have the stuff I've shared, I wouldn't have even shared it. It takes someone else to kind of help me see, oh, hey, this, you could share this. So here's, so if, especially if someone's listening to this they're like, well, I don't have an editor, I don't have a team, I don't have someone, this is what I would do. Now, here's like just a very specific hack of what I would do.
0: Love it. We love specifics.
1: (laughs) You can adapt this to however you want. So when I was like feeling really insecure about sharing my artwork and constantly questioning myself, like I would make the thing, I get all hype and passionate about it. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. I don't want to share it. What I would do is I would actually post the art on Snapchat first because Snapchat has this feature. And I think I've used this as recently as like a month ago because I'm just like, ah, Snapchat has this feature where it shows you how many people screenshot your posts. So what I would do is I would post it on Snapchat and then I would give it a few hours or even a day or so. And then I would go back and look at which post got the most screenshots. Life hack. That, oh. that is literally I would take the post that had the most screenshots and I, that's what that will be the first graphic on my Instagram feed that's
0: so, so smart <laughs> it's like um a built-in editor
1: <laughs> yes and another version of that is uploading it on Pinterest I would upload things on Pinterest and then I would see which ones people would take from Pinterest and then post on their Instagram and tag me And that I still do to this day. I still, I'm like, I'm so curious about like, hmm. I wonder of everything I'm sharing. And I wonder what other people are kind of resonating with the most because I don't know. Like I just put it all out there. And then when I look and see through my tagged section on Instagram, I can see what other people have shared of mine. And I'm like, oh, wow, I forgot I said that. Or I forgot that, you know, that I, I did that years ago, but there is still relevant to them now. And sometimes that even gives me the courage to revisit that idea or share that again. So I am huge on involving other people. It's like you can't do it yourself, but you also don't have to have like a whole team to, to do that. It's like even just posting something on your Instagram story or like just creating an account that doesn't even have your name on it. Just take the pressure off. Just like post a bunch of stuff just, if you're just like, I just need to get it out. I just need to express myself creatively. I just need that in my life right now Then just do it and then see how people respond. And as time goes on, you'll kind of get that feedback as to how to, you know, how to keep sharing the way you were meant to.
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, I love that advice. Um, And before we go, I wanted to ask this question. I know that we kind of talked about a lot of pieces of advice on here, but what, has been like the best piece of advice that you've gotten as a creative yourself. So, anything it could be from when you were younger, it could be that you heard it yesterday. But what has kind of shaped your creativity and your your journey to this day?
1: Yeah, I I would say that it's it's my it came from my parents at a young age, and in different ways they told me this all the time, and they were saying you were created to create, you were made to create, and. They just encouraged me to keep creating, not to make a product. My parents had no, there was no social media. Like my parents had no idea what was going to happen with my career or my sister's career. My sister is two years younger than me, has two Grammy nominations and came from like this whole, like just showing up on YouTube and that literally launched her whole career. So the tools that we ended up becoming known through didn't even exist when we were kids. So they weren't trying to groom us to like make products or anything. Like They were just like, you were meant to express. Like you have something to say, share it, get it on page, color, try things. And I'm just so grateful that I got that at a young age. And I feel like that still guides a lot of what I do. It's like creativity is not about making products. It's not about, it's about you were meant to express. Like we have to inhale, but we also have to exhale. We can't just take in, we can't just only consume. We have to create, we have to express, we have to let it out. So I'm just so grateful I got that at a young age and and that still guides me to this day.
0: I love that advice. I think it's good for anyone creative or not that all of us, like Mm. you said, even going back to the very beginning, like we all are creative. It's just, yeah how, you know, you express that creativity, how you use that creativity, but everyone is so uniquely different. And I think that in itself breeds creativity.
1: Absolutely. Yes. We all need that expression, that room to express so important. So yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. This was such a good episode because I have been in a slight creative rut for a few months. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things where you just kind of need to hear it from someone else that you can just create and, you know, it doesn't have to have that pressure of like doing well and like becoming a business and all of that. So this episode was amazing, came at a right time for me. And I know it's going to come at a right time for obviously the listeners, but where can they find you? Where can they purchase your work? Where can they purchase your new book?
1: Yes. Well, thank you again for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. I love talking about stuff like this. So it just, it was, this conversation was encouraging to me as well. So Please I am Morgan Harper Nichols, pretty much everywhere. MorganharperNichols.com. I try to link everything, my podcast, my app, my book, my book is called pieces of practice. And yeah, the link is on my website too. So Morgan dot and then Morgan Harper Nichols, pretty much everywhere on social media. So yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And yeah, this is an amazing episode.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday.